Hello and thank you for joining me again on what is the fourth birthday for Let Man Loose that popped up on my timeline memories today. Four years since our first band practice and uh, doesn't time fly. So happy birthday to Let Man Loose. Uh, I'll certainly drink to that. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed going on a trip down memory lane last night with James Cooper from The Cliques, Mother, Holy Orders, Nirvana and countless other bands. He had plenty of uh, tales to tell. I'm sure we could have gone on for a bit longer, but we're capped at an hour. Tonight I'm talking to Andy Taus, ex-Frontiers lead singer and someone who I've always enjoyed listening to his lyrics and his music over the years. Uh, he's also recently relocated to Canada, like Mikey Scott, who we spoke to last week. So yeah, uh, Frontier's achieved a lot in a relatively short lifespan. I forward to talk about the, uh, the beginnings of that journey and uh, yeah, how Frontier's came to be. Just waiting for Andy now. And uh, hopefully he'll join us and we can begin our chat. Hello, Andy, how are you doing? Hello, Mark, how are you doing? I, uh, I can't hear you, mate. I can't hear you. Oh, bollocks. Try again. Can you hear me now? I can hear you loud and clear now. I just needed oh, to turn my phone up. <laughs> How's it going, man? What's lockdown like in Canada? Is it, is it any different to here in the UK? Uh, I don't know. I'm not in the UK, but it is a bit shit. <laughs> I'm living in a studio apartment right now, so and all, all the like um, public spaces within the apartment have been shut down. So it's uh, just me and Jenna closed up in one room. It's nice, but it's also feels like a prison cell a bit. <laughs> I don't know what that says about how how you and Jenna are dealing with it, or just the fact that it's uh, a small space. But, just, uh, but yeah, it's different for everybody and. Uh, I guess you're neither of you are, are at work or anything like that. Are you creating while you're off? Oh yeah, all the time. And we, we work we work from home anyway, so we have we have been working as well. Ah, cool. All right. So tell me a bit about Frontiers. Obviously, I know your band, your old band, well. A uh, big fan of everything you put out. Tell me how they came to be. When did you start playing music? Um, and what was the timeline like for you? getting to Frontiers uh, through Moxies and the Blackbirds, etc. Um, um, sorry, can you repeat the question? Well, begin with, where did, when did you start playing music personally? When did you pick up a guitar for the first time and start writing your own music? Uh, personally, I started playing music um, about, about, I was about 13. And uh, my dad had bought me a, a nylon string Spanish guitar. And he showed me how to play a couple of power chords. And uh, I picked that up and was listening to like Guns N' Roses on like a cassette. And I saw my dad do a power chord, so that made me want to play guitar. And then at 13, I joined um, Kingston Youth Centre on Beverly Road. Uh, I met a few people there who were much, much better than me. Uh, taught me a lot about guitar and stuff. I had a friend called Jack Aldridge at the time. He um, he joined me there as well, and we started singing Beatles songs for fun. 
So that's when I started singing. Um, and then I did did one of those cringy uh, school school performances, doing a cover of a song. And then that's when Joe Gray uh, got in touch with me. We started a band called Moxies. Yeah, I remember a Moxies song called Carpet Line Ceilings, and that was the first thing I'd ever heard from you. And I, I guess it'd be fair to say that recording was pretty rough and ready and uh, pretty unrefined. But I definitely noticed straight away that you had a good ear for melody and uh, some some good lyrics even in that song, which I guess was one of your first attempts. Um, Moxie's put out a couple more tracks. Was it All The Wrong Colours and another one, which again, I really enjoyed. And then you morphed into The Blackbirds in the early 2010s. And Blackbirds, I think, really took it up a gear. You started to develop those melodies and develop the lyrics. Um, with songs like Old Town and Elysium Fields that I remember really fondly, uh, fantastic pop rock songs. Uh, where did you learn to write melodies like that? From picking up a guitar at 13 and just playing around, how did you end up with melodies and lyrics like that? And other than the Beatles, who else was influencing you in the early days? Um, well, basically in Moxie's, we were just um, doing like an act, early Arctic Monkeys thing. So mainly then, the lyrics and the way of like, singing was kind of the same as them, but also it was Kasabian and a bit of Oasis too. Just trying to go for like anthemic, sort of like glorious sounding choruses and whatnot. As far as melody, I don't know. I think I was kind of blessed because when I was when I was growing up, I have a big family and it's very, very noisy in my family home. So I kind of got away with being like really noisy as a kid. So I had a lot of like free, a lot of room to experiment with like making a lot of noise. So maybe it could have been to do with that. Yeah, I think, like personally speaking, as far as musicians that I've known in the local area, uh, as I've been doing my thing, you were always the one that I looked up to as far as uh, creating a tune and singing over the top and then lifting it as far as the chorus goes. I think you had that absolutely nailed down to a T. And then when you when you formed Frontiers, that really sort of refined the recipe, if you like. The lyrics were better than ever and the song structures really tightened up. And in Frontiers, like how did Frontiers then come about? Because if you like, that was sort of the culmination of what you'd been doing over the years. And I know that a couple of the lads were in Blackbirds with you. And then you put something together with James, who I spoke to earlier, that's now doing his thing with Fever. And he added some fantastic harmonies to the, to the vocals in Frontiers. And like I say, really sort of refined it all. How did, how did that lineup come to be? Well, uh, me and James had been friends since school. So we've been friends for a long time. And we would uh, we'd sing together all the time, just, fun, just for fun. And um, when I was in Blackbirds, he was in a band called Northern Divinity. Um, and we used to kind of play like Ringside, Adelphi, stuff like that, like together, as separate bands. Uh, and then one day, well, I mean, there's a video on YouTube of me and James doing like a Last Shadow Puppet song. 
uh, when we were like 15. It's got like 13,000 views, which is quite impressive because we were like 15. It's like the first time I think we'd sang together actually. Uh, and then, um, and then one one day it was I mean we were best friends so it was always always at each other's houses and one day we sang a Beatles tune and harmonised it. Then we decided to start a band. I'll have to check out that last Shadow Puppets cover if I haven't seen it already. But when you did put Frontiers together, you achieved a great deal in a relatively short amount of time. I think you you rocketed out of Hull and got quite a lot of national uh, attention. Um, how do you reflect on that now, what you achieved in that time? Um, uh, I, see it, I see it as like a stepping stone uh, and, um, and, a less, and like lessons to what, what... Stepping stone as to uh, like I've got contacts from it for when I next do some releases. Uh, also lessons as kind of what not to do. Because I think, as well as like being quite successful, we also made a lot of mistakes too. So, so yeah, I don't know. You were obviously uh, like very young when that all happened, and I, I obviously don't wish for you to air any dirty laundry as far as things that are concerned. But when you say mistakes, could you uh, could you expand on any any mistakes that you made as a young musician that did? like find that sort of light shining on you in the spotlight sort of thing? Is there anything you could tell anybody else who might end up in a similar position? Mistakes not to make? Yeah, we, we just weren't very, we weren't very prepared. We kind of got the ball rolling with uh, two songs. And, um, and then when, like our manager came in and stuff like that, nice. And when our manager came in and stuff like that, he uh, wanted, he got straight on, you know, getting us recorded and releasing us. Uh, but we didn't have any more songs, so we were kind of like thrown into deep end, and we had to just rush to write those songs. So, so the lesson I've learned from that this time is I've written a lot more songs. Like I've got about 20, 30 songs, and I haven't released any of them yet. So I'm just just being prepared. That's something that's come up a few times when it comes to um, those of us that have been in previous bands and, yeah, learning lessons has come up a lot. And something that people have sort of repeated is that what experience has taught them is to prepare, prepare a great deal more when you're launching a new project so that you have everything ready to go and that you've almost got that content to sort of put out at your leisure rather than uh, being like forced to write uh, a batch of songs with at the drop of a hat in if you like mm. it sounds like you were in a similar boat um i'll go i'll move back on to favorite gigs but when you were answering that question i held up um your first vinyl release i assume that's what you were talking about when you said you started things off with a couple of tracks. I mean, one of my favourites of yours is Neon Tribe, which is actually a B-side from yes. that first release. I re really love that song. Um, but you released, I have here, four vinyl singles, one of them being a quadruple A-side. <laughs> what was it? How did the uh, the label support come about? And other than feeling, if you like, pressured to, to write material uh, 
at your manager's request. What was it like to work with the label? And yeah, were you well, able to the fruits of your labor in the sense that the when you got hold of the vinyls, you were like excited, or were you more like, phew? Well, the label, the label was Warren. Uh, we didn't actually have a record label. We only ever did singles labels. We did uh, King Tut's as a single label. We use them also um, just, just just like various singles levels. But that one was on the Warren. Um, uh, uh, sorry, what was the question again? Sorry, it was a long-winded one. It was uh, <laughs> something along the lines of, um, did you appreciate the label support or the the, the help you got from Warren uh, and putting things out on vinyl? Was that exciting for you or more of a relief that you'd managed to sort of get a song written in time for whatever release your manager had sort of scheduled for you next? Oh, yeah, it all felt, it all felt kind of rushed. To be honest, like it was really, it was really cool to like it was to have the help and stuff. Like it, it felt like a like it was all happening. Um, but it was it was quite stressful as well looking back because it was like it felt like more of a job. You know, I think that's not how um, not how anybody wants to sort of work when you feel like it's a job. Obviously, I know in the early days the Beatles had like contracts where they had to release a couple of records a year and they would uh, have to pepper the songwriting sessions in between the obviously big long tours and I guess for a band like that it obviously got a lot of great results but if you're just finding your feet and working your way through the music industry at a, at a young age like you were that, that that potentially could have been quite daunting for you and uh, yeah feel like a job. What about favourite gigs over that time then because you obviously played um, Reading and Leeds you headlined the BBC Introducing Stage at Humber Street Sesh, which has come up a few times. Yep. For you, are there any standout shows that you yeah, look back on and I wish you could do again right now or anything like that? Uh, yeah. Obviously, that, that, that um, Humber Street Sesh one was really, really good. That, 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 felt, that felt like the, like a really special one. Um, also, um, we played Zebedee's Yard. At one point, that was, that was really good. That was like just as good as the uh, on the street session one. Um, we also we supported DMAs last minute, um, which at the time like I, we didn't really think much much of because we hadn't really heard of DMAs, but we got into them afterwards. So looking back in London, that was like a special one. The the like dressing room stank of weed, which was interesting and funny. <laughs> They, they seemed like cool guys. They didn't speak much. They seemed very zoned out, but it was a very cool gig. Um, Reading and Leeds was obviously like a mind-blowing one um, because we got to see like the full festival. Um, just all the festivals was really good. We had a really, really good summer, like 20, 2016. It's like such good summer because we got to go to so many festivals, uh, like drink so much free beer. Uh, like we got to go to um, the guy from Embrace, um, McNamara. Got to go to his house and stay in his uh, his uh, his uh, little B and B downstairs for like about two or three weeks. Yeah, Bingley was a good one. Some really, 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 really good times. Good, good twenty sixteen. It was like a holiday, really. Yeah, it sounds like the sort of summer that 
all of us can only dream of at the moment. So good stuff to look back on, I'm sure. Did you have any plans for an album or anything like that? Or anything that you recorded that never saw the light of day? Uh, I don't know. Like we, uh, we, we, we never thought of doing an album. It never kind of got to that point. We never really felt prepared enough for that. Like we, we were just uh, writing songs and putting them out. Um, and um, uh, our management wanted to do an album, but um, we, we just didn't feel ready. So you know, it, it kind of, it kind of like started to slow down and stop around that time because I think we all kind of realised we weren't ready for it. I don't know. It sounds almost like uh, off the back of that, like those first successes that you guys maybe got taken on a bit of a on a bit of a whirlwind journey, and uh, maybe that sort of sucked the enthusiasm uh, enthusiasm out of it, maybe for you all a little. Just to go back to the Reading and Leeds thing, uh, it's come up a few times. Obviously, a few people that I've spoken to this week and last have been lucky enough to have that chance to play. Uh, that festival and other people that I've spoken to recently have mentioned it as a uh, something of a, a dream for themselves and I, I know that I would one day like to do that there is a video of you guys playing at Reading and oh, yeah. the, the performance is fantastic it's recorded really well and it sounds I, I, I like that one yeah and none of you look remotely nervous on that stage but were you? um I think we were more excited than nervous. Yeah, adrenaline can do funny things, can't it? It really sort yeah. of make you feel like you're uh, comfortable in an environment like that. Um, okay, if anybody's got any questions that they'd like to ask Andy, please get them in now. Um, and I'm going to move on to, uh, yeah, what you're doing at the moment. Because as I mentioned in the intro, you've relocated to Canada like Mikey. Yeah. Um, Whereabouts in Canada are you living? Um, I've seen on Instagram that you've been um, doing some some gigs. Uh, could you tell us about those? Who you've been playing with up to now? Yep, yep. I'm living in Montreal. It's um, it's been a it's been a cold winter, very cold winter. But sorry, because I got myself a big marshmallow jacket, kept myself very warm. Um. Musicians here are absolutely amazing. Like, just everywhere, everywhere, there's just like, amazing musicians, and there's so many great places to go. And um, they've been very welcoming as well. So I've managed to like. There's just op there's this amazing open mic called a place called Bar de Corsel, because it's all French here. Um, and just like amazing, amazing, amazing singers like from like, all like so many different genres, like jazz. There's like very soulful people, country people, like hip hop, all mixed into like one like night, and it's it's really 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 cool. Uh, I would I would be going like every Sunday to this open mic, and it's just like it just goes off every Sunday. Other than that, I've been working with a bunch of guys that I've met here. There's a, a guy called Nazar, who lives here um he's in a band he's in like a rock and roll band he's got he's got a keyboard player who's from britain as well from bournemouth um i've been working with them been like what some of my originals been working on some of their originals just jamming and stuff like taking it easy having more fun with it 
not seeing it as like a job kind of thing. I've been working with a couple of brothers, the Dupuy brothers. I've been um, going to theirs and recording songs with them. They're like they're into like the shoegaze kind of genre. Um, so it's been interesting to see what kind of like mix in and stuff they do for like my songs and stuff and their songs. Uh, this guy called Ben Cummins. He's uh, also he's from Australia, and we met because we was in a very similar situation. We were both here at the same time in the same kind of situation. And he he's got this like beautiful high voice, and he he was doing harmonies like very similar to what like James was doing, but his voice is like softer. So we had a lot of fun with that. Like we we've been busking and stuff. It's been really really good. It's really good a good way to strengthen your voice. Because you're busking every day, you end up getting like a really rich, strong voice. <laughs> yeah, you got to you got to sing loud enough to uh, get over the hubbub, I suppose. Um, I, I'm really impressed to see that you've sort of thrown yourself into what Canada's got to offer you uh, musically. I know that once upon a time I relocated, not as far as that, from Hull to Newcastle, and I kept it was felony at the time going, and we sort of did things long distance. But as far as like throwing myself into Newcastle's music scene, it definitely wasn't as rich and as uh, community-based as Hull's was. And I definitely missed having that sort of thing around me to, to meet people and to, to, to make music with people. So it sounds like Montreal's really got it going on as far as that sort of thing's concerned. Oh, yeah, I think totally. I saw a couple of videos of you playing maybe in a pub or it, it was maybe the open mic night you mentioned, but there was some guys behind you... Um, in those videos, uh, was that like a house band or some of the guys that you were just talking about? Oh no no, no. There, there were some of the guys I was talking about. So that was um, that was that was Ben on the bit on the guitar. This guy called Jair Cohen on the bass, um, and a drummer called Aaron, who's like a hip hop drummer, which has been interesting. Uh, yeah, we formed we formed like a little band for a gig. We were doing like couple covers. I kind of that kind of died off though because obviously COVID happened. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a shame. It's we're all in the same boat. I'm sure you'll be up and running as soon as everything uh, calms down. Uh, I never really got the chance as much as I wanted to. I remember, I remember running after you one night when I think you'd played when the sesh was at Linnet and Lark, and you played. Oh, yeah. It must have been with Blackbirds. Was it your 21st birthday? Um, no, I don't think it was. I, I, I distinctly remember you showing me. A, I distinctly remember you showing me a Beatles cake. In the parking lot, on the car park, sorry. It was definitely in the car park, because I chased after you. Yeah, okay, then it must have been a few days after my 21st. And I chased yeah, I after that. you, and I showed you some of my lyrics, because I thought that me and you wrote lyrics that were obviously influenced by the same sort of people. And I thought that, well, I hoped that maybe we could uh, work on something together. It's a shame that we never really got the chance to do that, but before you moved... I think we did um, we did get to the position where we would like come and see each other and uh, have a little jam, share some ideas, and that was nice. Mm -hmm. uh, but we did. I was fortunate enough to play with you in the rehearsal room. We never took it any further, but I mentioned this with Joe Gray when I was speaking to him the other day. We did get together and play some Beatles covers, and I think yeah. that they sounded fantastic. I think we only had... A couple of goes at that, but I've still got the recordings from them, and it would have been nice to take that further. They were definitely fun. You on your Gretsch. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, uh, harmonising with me. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. That was fun.
maybe I'll uh, put those recordings out. So Alex Fish from Slow Days has told you that you need to start releasing music again. And mm -hmm. I fully agree with him. You mentioned that you've got 20 or 30 songs written already. I have, I have. What are the plans for those? Are you going to put them out under the Andy Taus name? Are you going to do something solo? Or are you hoping to put things together? So I'm thinking, when are we going to hear something from you? I think we're going to do like a bit of a, like a solo project. Um, and getting like a bunch of collaborations as well. And like whoever collaborated with me on the song, it would be like me and them. Do you know if I put it like out on Spotify or YouTube or whatever? Yeah, like a bit of a, like a bit of, uh, I don't know, like like if for example, um, uh, oh damn, I can't remember his name. <laughs> Odd Future, who's the guy in Odd Future? Tyler the Creator, you know, like he, he like does his own songs, but also has lots of people on. Yeah, it's like he's not gonna be like Tyler the Creator, but like you know what I mean. Just like people getting involved on tracks, it's like a solo thing, but working with other people anyway. But um, yeah, the, the most the thing that I'm like excited about the most about the new songs is that I've spent a lot more time thinking about them and crafting them and put, making like an, like having a big idea on a project rather than rushing to write songs, you know. And also, the big difference between Frontiers and this now is um, I feel like when I was singing in Frontiers, I would kind of manipulate my voice to be kind of like, I kind of tighten my throat and make it like kind of squeaky sounding. But that was, I feel like I did that to mix more with James's voice. Not that I'm saying James has a squeaky voice, but I don't know, when we would sing together, it would kind of blend in a sharper yeah. way if I were to like, eh. and that became a bit of a habit. And in this one, like the way I sing now, it's like a lot, I have like quite a deeper voice. So I don't know. I think that what I'm excited about the most is for people to hear my like, more natural singing voice and stuff. I'm definitely excited to hear that. Are these songs in demo format at the minute, or have you taken them any further already and started recording them properly? I've got um, I've got a couple. I've got a couple recorded. Like I, recently, I just splashed out on um, um, Logic Pro X. Which is a lot of friggin' money. <laughs> yeah. But I, as I thought, I needed it because um, there's just not much to do, really. So um, I got that. And uh, I was using GarageBand before that. I uploaded them to Logic, and um, it's a lot, it's a much better sound. It's definitely worth getting. Yeah, I don't know anything about mixing. But um, I, mean, I mean, I've got a few on that, doing what I can. I had, I had a MIDI keyboard, I just broke it before. The uh, isolation started, which is devastating. Um, but yeah, I've even done things like I've remade Old Town, given it a new verse, and also Elysium Fields. <laughs> I remade that as well, made it kind of more, more dancey. Um, and then there's just like a whole bunch of new songs. Like for example, this is this is. Can you see that? No. I can see you're holding up your laptop, and I can see there's not. I can't make anything out on it. No. There we go. That's there like we go. that's a list of all my songs. This middle one is like a ah, something of a planner. Then nice and organized. I like. Yeah, that. yeah. I'm like then, but... planning, planning it out. 
all this that I'm scrolling through is like songs and I'm writing them down and I'm just going through them one by one. Who I want to work on them with, what is left to do on them, you know, stuff like that. Making more of one. Very exciting. And yeah, without uh, obviously uh, holding you to this necessarily, when are you hoping to put the first sort of music out as Andy Taus? Uh, I wanted to put them out. I wanted to put them out already. But it's uh, just the reality is it just takes longer than that. So soon then? Hopefully soon. Because yeah. I've, been, I've been working like, like with people still in England, like Andy Dimmock, I think, is in here, watching right now. I've been working with him and um, Eddie Wood, Archie, they're in England. I've even done some work with James uh, Taylor, still. Uh, some of my brothers have done some tracks, like Ben's back in Australia now. I mean, it's, in this day and age, you can do you can do it. You can do that, like as long as you've got something to record, but you can send it on an email. Someone else can record something. That's, yeah, that's kind of my idea for the project: is to kind of prove you don't have to be in a room with someone to create, like to have a good collaboration. Yeah, and, absolutely. I, I recently, uh, I've mentioned a couple of times on this, I think, podcast or show so far. I, I recently got myself just a beginner's interface, one mic input, one guitar input. And I'm I'm at the level you were at on working on GarageBand, just just stitching some demos together, really. And you mentioned Andy Dimack then. Uh, yeah. His son Eric has recently joined uh, oh, yeah. Let Man Loose in place. Of oh, Sam. nice one. Yeah, he's, he's a really good, really good guy. Yeah, he's fantastic. He's he's really young, but he's probably a better musician than all of us. And his influence is already like coming across. He's yeah. uh he's good at recording. So I'm looking forward to uh, as you say. Just because we're not able to get together and have a rehearsal in lockdown doesn't mean we can't make some music together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're currently in the process of stitching a few demos together. I'm waiting on him to send me some tracks across and then I'm going to put hopefully the finishing touches. But like you say, I'm not really, I don't really know everything there is to know about mixing. I know what I like the sound of or what sounds good to me. And uh, it's the sort of thing that you can just play around on and, and see what results you get. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like simple pannings, double trackings, and I double have track. You, have you used the pretty... Have you used the experimental guitar, the guitar, the experimental guitar plugins? Not yet. What What should I expect from that? Oh, I don't know. Wasted time. <laughs> it's fun though. Like you find any way around it. Yeah. Well, I've got all the time in the world to play with and tinker with that. So I'm sure both of us we'll probably make some good music in this time. Well, I say good, that's subjective, but I'm sure we can get some some good stuff down. Well, I'm personally looking forward to hearing what you've been working on. Uh, I might pester you in private for some demos, especially of those re-recorded Blackbird songs. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, thank you for coming on and chatting with me. Uh, that's no me. And uh, working our, uh, our way around the time difference. What time mm-hmm. is it for you there, about half one? Uh, half one, yeah. Five hours full, behind. Full day ahead of you. I have. All right, Andy. Uh, thanks for thanks for coming on. Yeah, cheers, man. Speak to uh, you soon. Tomorrow I'm talking to Claire Scott from the Evil Litter. 
who, interestingly, is the only guest I've had so far who sings in a band, but is also a former college tutor of mine. Yeah, she's been very well as a student. So I'm sure she's going to have plenty to talk about, about my attendance and stuff like that. But yeah. we'll, we'll wait and see what she's got to say. Sweet. Okay, then, see you Thank soon. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for watching. Night-night.